Hello and welcome. You're here with Maddie J on the Lunchtime Request. Joining me today by phone, we're having a chat with Jo Sterling. She's a community uh, engagement officer through the HAPPY program and Hearing Australia. And we're going to be learning more about Hearing Australia's First Nations Services Unit, which is out there currently working to improve hearing and the hearing health of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children. Thank you very much, Joe, for making some time to uh, chat with us today about HAPPY and First Nations hearing health. How are you? I'm very well. Glad to be here, Maddie, and thanks for inviting me on. You're welcome, and uh, thanks for um, you know the opportunity to chat with you, because I think hearing health is something that often goes, uh, I mean, it's using a bit of an odd phrase, but overlooked in a way, uh, because it's it's something that I guess isn't dealt with uh, as early as it could be, because I think it's that early prevention that is a real big key to improving hearing health. Yeah, that's right, Maddie. Often it doesn't go detected because, one, there are no signs and symptoms, because um, there's not a lot of pain associated with otitis media. And of course, parents, many parents have um, different priorities in life and and if their child, they say, yep, he's happy, he's playing, she's doing okay, then they think everything's all right. So, but often, often, um, many, many Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander kids have otitis media. Yeah. Can we talk about the issues that, you know, a lot of First Nations mob around the country have to deal with? Because the issue is quite high, unfortunately, in Indigenous uh, people here in Australia. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. One of the, uh, we have one of the worst rates here in Australia. A recent study in the South Perth metropolitan area showed that by two months of age, 40% of Aboriginal children had otitis media. And by six months of age, this increased to 50%. Now, that's a lot. So when you think at six months old, 50% of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander kids have had otitis media. Imagine how many bouts of otitis media they've had before they even start school. And um, it, 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 it reveals um, a, a lot about the level of hearing loss amongst Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. And it's um, high prevalence in rural and remote communities. Yeah, and so the newly formed unit uh, that is specifically out there interacting with the community and going, you know, basically door-to-door or directly to uh, the mob themselves, that's sort of the role you're in now, isn't it? You're out there directly dealing with people out there in the community and you're that middle person between, uh, you know, someone in the community who needs some hearing aid and the actual, um, what are we calling the the hearing doctors and the specialists? Right. So um, I travel with audiologists. And our audiologists are highly skilled audiologists to tap into that zero to six-year-old group. Um, Now, they're highly trained, so they have specialised equipment. They do specialised tests, and they come up with very, very accurate results. So I travel with them, and we have clinics there. It's all pre-arranged, dates, times, so forth, and we turn up, and we're allocated a room, and then we start testing. Okay, and so having someone like yourself come along with the actual specialist as well, do you find that that really helps ease that link, that communication between patients and doctor? Is that, you know, do you do you sort of approach them at a, a different way or you've got that culturally appropriate sort of method of, yes. of getting that yes. across? Yes, um, it's delivered in a culturally safe and appropriate way. Um, 
I will talk to the families first. I will go through and explain what consent means, different things on the form if they're not sure about. Definitely explain that. I'll introduce them to the audiologist. And if need be, I can sit there and do sit there in the room. And when the audiologist um, explains what's happening with the ear, if they're not fully understanding, I'll just say, oh, I'll just word it in a different way that they uh, feel comfortable with. But our audiologists are great. They're um, learning very fast how to interact and deal with Aboriginal people because that's our program. It's aimed at Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Yeah, and about in particular aiming at uh, those, you know, that young zero to six years old so we can deal with those hearing issues before they become these lifelong hearing issues or before they become problems with learning at school and, and other issues while growing up. So. Oh, Absolutely. Uh, Joe, are you? I guess to to ask this appropriately, are you Indigenous yourself? Like, is that you got that's your background there as well? And do you think that is a part of the the comfort and how it's easier for patients and you know doctors for you to be that middle person? Yes, I'm Aboriginal. I'm from the Kalgoorlie areas area, so that's Wongatha, Wongatha area, and I've been in Perth oh, over twenty years now, and I've had lots of dealings with the Noongar community here too. But um, I'm, um, I, look, every community is different. Every community has uh, different cultural protocols. And the question is, you ask. You seek out one of the local people at that community and ask, what should I be doing? Where should I, uh, what shouldn't I do? What should, where should I go? Where shouldn't I go? So it's just a matter of getting a lot of local knowledge when you get to that community. And they're happy to share that. Yeah, and when it comes to the actual you know, getting in contact with Happy, with Hearing Australia, how do you go about initiating that contact? Like, does a community have to reach out to you? Do you just sort of do random community visits? How does the whole interaction begin with? Okay, so if I'm up in the Kimberley, I will visit early learning centres and and promote the Happy program. Then I'll visit Kindylinks. Then I'll visit uh, pre-primary schools, which are usually joined to the Kindylink. I'll also visit... Um, certain other communities uh, within that regional area who, who may have um, access to a lot of little zero to six-year-olds. Six For example, I was in Karatha and I saw a bunch of ladies, they were cooking up a barbecue supplied by a mining company. And I went over there and it was a grandmother's. And they said, look, we'd like your information because we look after all the grannies. And they look after all their grandkids, which are... Zero to six-year-old. That's so deadly. And just like the grannies as well. <laughs> yeah, they're great. <laughs> they're great. So um, I guess... But, um, sorry, you were um, saying? So, yeah, it, with our program, you can self-refer if you have a child zero to six years old. You do not need a GP referral. Or you can go to your primary health service, like Brahms, WAX or CAMS, and you can get them to refer. And also early childhood educators can refer. So kindy teachers, pre-primary teachers, they can refer to us. Oh, great. So if you're a kindy teacher and you think maybe one of your young students, especially one of your young Indigenous students might have hearing issues, you might, you know, bring that up with their parents or you can set up that link, that first meeting between, say, yourself and the parents of the the young child. Correct. Absolutely correct. And then they just email that through and I can give you that email address later. Mm-hmm. But the beauty of um, the First Nations unit, we have a new program that will be, um, it's, it's established, but it'll be f- uh, 
coming in in 2022 and it's called Listen to Learn. And it's working closely with the educational sector. So that aims to increase the skills and knowledge of teachers to identify ear, listening and communication problems. Uh, they can access screening and assessment services and they can mod- it'll teach them to modify learning environments to improve hearing, listening and communication. So that'll be rolled out strongly next year, 2022. Yeah. Any uh, rough time of the year when that might be coming out? When you can expect to see that Ooh. in the community near you, for example? Yeah, well, it's... Um, it, ha- it was in the early pl- it, it has been developed and it has all gone through what needs to be done. And so I think that'll be rolled out as soon as school starts next year. Excellent. Yeah, the sooner February, the better. February, yes. Yep. Yeah. All right. So I guess final question is long-term goals and outcomes for the, the First Nations unit. Now, it sounds pretty clear, doesn't it, that basically they're out there really trying to improve the hearing health and, and get, you know, that's part of closing oh, the gap yes. for our, uh, the health of our mob. Yes, because it was identified from, oh, I think back in 2019 from the Office of the Auditor General's report, we need to tackle Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander ear health because of one of the worst rates in the world. And the um, the First Nations unit was set up with uh, Hearing Australia, federally funded, to, um, to deal with this problem. And now with... Um, before we were acting in silos within um, Hearing Australia, but now it has all come together. They've restructured it. Now we can reach more families, more communities, and continue to collaborate with partners. And that way we'll have more effective, coordinated, and culturally appropriate services because our long-term goal is to reduce the rates of preventable hearing loss in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children by at least half by 2029. And these diseases are preventable yeah sounds like uh you know a shake-up is just what the hearing australia needed to really uh, get out there and start addressing those issues and of course it 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 needs to be tackled from so many different sides you know as you mentioned the grannies getting involved the families of the young yes. bobs themselves the educators and and your local health services uh, it takes a village yes and and also that um even even in 2021, we have accessed over 10,000 children, zero to six, through just the HAPPY program alone. And um, Hearing Australia has been servicing um, the communities, uh, Australia, for over 70 years, but it's also been servicing um, the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities for over 40 years. So that's pretty good. That is absolutely, and uh, yeah. yeah, it's gonna it's gonna sounds like it's gonna be even more effective moving forward. Uh, thank you very much again, Joe Sterling, uh, the community engagement officer, speaking to us today from Happy. Uh, that is, ooh, could you drop what Happy is for us again? Yeah, sure. Happy is Hearing Assessment Program Early Ears, and our referral address is if you need to self refer, refer, send in an email. Uh, just describe your symptoms or your child's symptoms, their age, date of birth, and send it to happy, H-A-P-E-E, at hearing.com.au.